0: Okay, so, was anybody here last week? Yeah, probably. One. Well, you had fair last week. No, no, I wasn't here. Three of us were
1: here, and two of us that. I was, was grooming
0: a sheep, I think. Probably. Okay, so, for those of you who were here, what did we start for our series, our short series? Prayer. Prayer, okay. What did you talk about?
1: God's
0: answers to her. Okay. What were they?
1: Okay, I was just trying to remember this. I think
0: they're, he has
1: four of them.
0: an acronym, right?
1: No, or slow, grow, no, slow, 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 go, and go. No. Yeah. yeah,
0: not an acronym. I don't know what you'd call that, a limerick, maybe? No, <laughs> no. no.
1: no. go. Slow,
0: slow, and then grow. Oh, sorry. Printer 4. No,
1: grow, slow. Grow, yep.
0: grow. No, grow, slow. I think that's a rhyme. No, grow, slow. I don't know if that's a that's number. If what? I think that's a rhyme. you like, No, no, it's a. a rhyme. I'm
1: no, that's no, the beginning. No, that's at the beginning. <laughs> so it's just a rhyme. a
0: rhyme. It's just a rhyme. rhyme. <laughs> okay. Thank you. English scholars. I
1: don't think they all have a common
0: no. Wait, Right, they got the O. Oh. Make them So what is it? Some I think we don't this is self explanatory, right? No. You all know that. What's grow mean if that's your answer to prayer? something that you ask for or ask to happen? What might it mean if you if the answer is grow? You have
1: to grow spiritually
0: first? Yeah you're not ready yeah. Yeah. for what you asked for yet, right? Not the right timing. Okay, what might slow me? Okay, yep. Or
1: but why? what's different
0: from grow? It's, it's not gonna
1: slow. happen right now, but it, it will. will.
0: That could be grow also, right?
1: It's, it takes time to have the result that you're asking for, like there's steps. Okay,
0: that's better, right? If we use another metaphor from the Bible of fruit, right? fruit is something that's used in the bible all the time as a good thing, something that's a result of how your life is lived. When do you start to see the peach on the tree or the apple, whatever
1: But you have to No, not in the fall. That's not when you first see it. When do you first
0: see it? As a flower? Okay, as a flower and then the
1: actual fruit
0: and well really by the end of may they usually have a little tiny fruit on there right and then it slowly grows bigger and then it kind of stays the same size for a while and then in the fall it all finishes up and grows big and gets color and is ripe right so sometimes things in your life you might want to get be at the end of a process maybe at school you want to be at the end of school and just be done with school not have to do that well the answer isn't grow because you need to be in school right now but the answer might be slow you have to progress through it as you need to all right what about go It's kind of like yes, but slow. These could both be yes, right?
1: It happens. This could
0: also be yes. In a shorter amount
1: of time.
0: Yeah, like it's immediate. Go do it, go receive it, you have it, whatever, right now. Okay? Um, So good. That's a good thing to remember throughout your life when you're praying because. It's not typical that you get a verbal or a visual answer to your prayer right away. Right? In your experience, have you ever heard God's voice audibly? You don't have to raise your hand if you have Right? That is unusual. We see it happen in the Bible. You may have heard other people's stories where they have heard it but it's unusual, but that's where you can remember that there are these answers that you can look for in your life for how God is taking action within your life and answers to your All Alright, what else did you talk about with prayer? Is that it? I don't know. I didn't hear it. That wasn't it. Did you talk at all about how to pray, or, did you talk about what prayer is? Yeah, I
1: think so.
0: Well, even if you didn't, anybody, what is prayer? Talking Simply. To Talking to God, right? Did you talk about different types of talking to God at all? I'm just fishing. I don't really know what to talk about. That's up to you. To tell me. Well, simply, it, what are some types of prayer that you have Heard or observed or done. Okay, that's good. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Touch on it. I was thinking more like physically what types of prayer. Yes, or observable. Something that's more observable. How about Public. Oh. Can you talk about these types of categories? I wasn't here. I don't think so. No, it's okay. Public. What else? Private. All right. Private. Did I spell that right? Um. Can you pray silently without sit? Right. So. Um, okay, so there's different ways that you can actually sort of physically do the prayer, right? Sometimes it all just occurs in your mind. Um, so Phoebe brought up when I said what types of prayer you said, what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Okay, that's good. I asked Audrey, which she did with very nice handwriting in comparison to mine, to write on the board a prayer. Do you know what the name of the prayer is or what it's commonly referred to as? Um, The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you know why we have this and where it's from in the Bible? Matthew 6. Yep, Matthew chapter 6. So you can turn there. We'll be there for just a little bit tonight. Verse 9 is where it starts. And if you didn't already know, this is Jesus who gives us this prayer. And do you know why he gives this to us? It doesn't say this in Matthew. It says it in the Luke's um Luke's um, version of it.
1: Somebody asked him how to
0: pray. Yeah, somebody asked him, how do we pray? How should we pray? So Jesus gave this prayer. And it has, it's very short. It's pretty simple. Lots of people have memorized it through the years. I. I don't know if I was ever given the task to memorize it, but I haven't more or less memorized it because you hear it just so often that it just seeps into your brain, whether you want to or not. And it... um, It is not meant to be recited word for word. It can be. And that's okay, it's good to memorize it because it's still useful in that sense. But this is meant to be a template for how to print. What do you do with the template? You oh, the add button. your
1: own stuff into the same structure.
0: This. All right, when, do you, when have you received a template before? Yeah, usually in writing in school, you receive a template on how to do stuff. You're not supposed to copy it exact. And it's usually made to not copy it exact, right? Because it's not super detailed, it's not specific about a, a subject. Um, and that's the s- same thing here. There are specific topics, but it, it you can expand it to fit your life. Before we look at the prayer, at each of the sections of it quickly, uh, let's read verses before verse 9. Let's read verse 5 through 7. Chapter six. Uh, yep, this is a little bit more instructions on how to pray.
1: And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the Synagogues. synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men verily i say unto you they have their reward but thou when thou pray enter into a tiny closet and when thou hast shut the door pray to thy father which is in secret and made, which seemeth in secret shall the thee be opened. and when and when ye pray, use not vain re- repetitions, and the heathen do, or as the heathens heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much.
0: <clears throat> okay. Somebody wants to sum that up. What that? Two things out of that. Of what that not to do when you pray. Pray for the king. Of people, okay. Okay. Does it say that you should not pray no, out loud? No, it's, it's more it's like, like don't expect to be praised Okay, right. It's don't not. do it for
1: popularity. Yes. You don't
0: pray to show off. Right. You're not supposed to show off. It's not to bring you yourself glory. Right. It's not about flowery words that you can use or anything like that. And what's the other thing that he's saying you shouldn't be about?
1: Don't, try, don't repeat yourself, or repeat a prayer over and over and over just because it's like, it's the Lord's prayer, or it's this special, fancy prayer if he wants it to come from you and your, yourself. You know, even if it's not fancy.
0: Right. He wants it to have meat to it, to have thought behind it. Because what happens when you say and do the same thing over and over? Yeah, it loses its meaning. It loses word over and over again. Oh yes, that thing. And eventually you're like, that's just weird it Yeah, it falls to mush in your mind, right? And you eventually you're like, what even is that word? Yeah so it is kind of like that and there have been um, not even bad denominations of churches through the years that they have specific prayers they're not bad prayers but they say them every week every sunday at the same point in the service and I can guarantee you that people really aren't thinking too much about what it actually means. We even have that. We have certain songs that we like at church, right? And we there are some hymns that we probably sing 10 times or more throughout the year as a congregation. We have Christmas songs that are favorite. They're our favorites. Something that we do to combat those lo- losing their meaning is It's been probably for at least six or more years. Every time at Christmas time, the adult Sunday school does four or five Christmas carols that we sing every year. Levi and the pastor pick them out and we go verse by verse through them and talk about what they mean, about the history behind it, the passages in the Bible, the story so then when we sing it and usually pastor picks one that next week he's going to have in the bulletin when we sing it you are thinking ah that's i remember now the backstory behind that i know more details about it it makes it more meaningful so and he puts in there jesus does as the heathens do because especially then with other religions it was all about well, I shouldn't even say especially then, because there are plenty today that are like that It's about like getting yourself in a trance into like this hyped up emotional state through like repetition and things like that it's another way that just and Jesus God doesn't want you to do anything thoughtlessly or to lose the um the thought behind something he doesn't want you to just hand yourself over the control of your mind and your body to something else he wants you he wants the what is unique and important about your character to make a connection with him when he's praying when you're praying okay so keeping that in mind we're eventually going to get to our topic tonight but we're just setting groundwork so we're going to look at just a couple of these things in here. So this first um, verse starting over here. What do you think that part of the verse is, that is doing? What type of prayer or part of prayer is that? Praise? Okay, that's good.
1: It's like your header of a letter. I'm talking
0: to you. Okay, you're right. How you're starting it out. So, um... I
1: mean, it's more than that, but like...
0: Yes, but you're, you're right. And it's starting it out on, like you might say, on a good foot, or you are, it's setting the precedent for, the, for your attitude for the rest of the prayer. What it's, kind of, it's not sucking up um, because what? If it was sucking up, what would your motive be?
1: To get something
0: out of it. As a selfish motive, right? And that's good. I'm glad you brought that up, Felicia, because that plays right into our what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, so. Let's move on to the next one. What do you think verse ten is about? Oh oh I sorry. I got a left there. That. Um,
1: asking God to um, work have his plan in motion and acknowledging that he has a plan and that your plan not, won't necessarily line up
0: Okay. And asking for his.
1: So it's like saying, I have
0: an idea of what I want, but you know what I need, so you do what you need to do, but this is what I'm asking Yes. What would you call that in one word? So let me tell you a story because when I was doing this, I thought of a phrase and it reminded me. Uh, we don't have to do this as much anymore because she likes to get dressed now. But when Eve was littler, like one, and we'd have her on the changing table and she was starting to understand things that you would say, but she would a lot of times not want to bend her arms or her legs when you're trying to take pants or things off or put them on. and. It is difficult because you can only do so much. You don't want to force it too hard and hurt them. And I would say to her, I would tell her to bend the knee. Bend the knee. What is that telling somebody to do? Where, where have you heard that type of phrase? What context? Submit. Okay. That's the word I'm looking for, right? You, it's about submittal. What is, who would say bend the knee to somebody? It's kind of an old way to speak. A king would say that to anybody who was below him, and especially to somebody who didn't want to submit themselves to pay homage. They would say, bend the knee, which means get down on your knee before me and say, all right, I submit myself, I'll do whatever your will is, okay? So that is... That's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Everyone likes to serve a good king. A good king is the best thing that you can ask for. Unless
1: it's a bad king.
0: Well, then it wouldn't be a good king. A bad king is about the worst thing that you could ask for, right? It's pretty terrible. So this is acknowledging power, God's power, and submitting to him, and like Gideon said, his will. All right, um, now we'll get back to the submitting again. Verse 11.
1: It's asking for food. Okay. Is it talking about like like spiritually, spiritually for punishing them even though it's talking about like a physical bread. What do you think? Like,
0: is it spiritual or is it physical?
1: I think it's both. The way it says yeah, I think it's both because I think it it's just physical. give me what I need. Right. Today. Give me, give me the supplies and the tools I need to make it through today. Okay. Translation of that, it just says, "Give us our food for today."
0: You could now, or get back to the other wording, but just the bread. You could submit this for. Anything, anything that you need, okay? Bread is picked because that's something that it's very basic to your most basic need, right? You need to eat. You can't do anything for very long if you don't have something to eat every day. At least one meal. We like to have three, sometimes four, right? But we like to to have enough to eat. Now, daily, this is an important part. Why is that important? And then, I'll even change your focus to this day. Why does that matter?
1: Because we might not need what we need to do Because. Stay. That is true.
0: That's true. A lease doesn't need it. So it's just, just. Th- think about other things you've learned from the Bible.
1: Oh, like the partner for the baby don't we get
0: Okay, that's important. And yep. Just that's,
1: enough for the what they needed.
0: That's a if this is a
1: basically they only want what they want for like this day, what they
0: Why is that important to focus on today? Jesus talks about
1: that in
0: other places in his
1: ministry.
0: Yeah, he talks about, don't worry about tomorrow. Yes, yep. Right, they don't worry about the future. I take care of them. I take care of them. You of them, so. Yes. Now, that's correct. Yep. So, yes, you're focused on what is in front of you today. Because he says, don't... Um, essentially, what I was saying, don't be anxious. Don't be worrisome about the future. Don't let it cause you... The way we would say it today is anxiety or stress, right? Now, that's... A side note, he's not telling you don't ever make future plans, just live your life floating from day to day. That's not what he's telling you. There's plenty of places in the Bible that say that you should plan for the future and that the wise man has, make, has future plans and stores things up for the future. But the point is, is that you don't have to worry about things. You should be a good steward of what you have, your skills, your ability, what you have, by planning for the future. But he will, in the end, referring back to this, he has the power submitting to him. All right, um, verse 12.
1: Forgiveness.
0: Forgiveness, right. Oh, we did um, put in here. Um, what did I have down specifically? Oh, okay. Yes. So this is forgiveness, we're not gonna talk on that too much tonight. Um, So, this is, when you're praying this, you are asking for something, right? Whatever it might be, it could actually be food, it could be something else, but you're asking for something. And a big word for that would be petition. Have you ever heard of petition before? Yes. What does it mean, Audrey?
1: Um, it means to go to someone and personally and ask for the specific things that
0: you need. Okay. Yeah, like
1: like a request.
0: request. That's good.
1: You hear it a lot with government, your petitioning, yes. your your. I figured that's where you
0: knew but your you, definition you from. You go
1: to somebody and you ask yes.
0: for what you. Do, so, what you know, like. a lot of times I have I know essentially what a word means, but I like to look it up because I like to be precise. And it says a formal request appealing to an authority. Um. Yeah. So formal. A lot of times, it mentioned in a lot of the definitions written, like a written request. Like Audrey said, in um, have you have you ever seen or heard of where a bunch of people in your county or your school district sign a petition because they want something? They're trying to say, hey, a lot of people want this. Please do this for us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, sometimes it falls on deaf ears, The, but that's not the case with God, right? He always hears it. We might not always like the answer. Right? Oh, not liking the yeah. answer.
1: No, he always hears.
0: Okay, always hears. Good.
1: Yeah. So even if it
0: seems like we're not going to answer, he still is. Yes, right, right and that's why it's a good this is a good rhyming thing to remember because when you feel like you're not getting an answer evaluate it and say okay well is what i'm asking for wrong because that might be my no answer is what i'm asking for maybe this is a bad timing or a a incorrect timing even according to the bible Well, then i need to slow or grow for, for that okay um so, intercession, or sorry, petition. Now, verse 13. We're going to tie some of these together in just a
1: minute. We'll
0: see
1: wrong. What?
0: What did you read, spell wrong?
1: Temptation.
0: Oh. It's okay. I'm sure I have plenty of words spelled wrong. It's
1: okay. I can't
0: spell it. I'm a terrible scholar. What do you think that means?
1: I believe it's not a connection with the woodbreast and the eagle. Help us to go the right way and not on the wrong path. Okay. Honestly, I'm considering
0: turning this one in from the Bible because all the translations are working here. Oh, we have Bibles here. You and I'll grab like one if you want.
1: The into a little different. It's all very near the. That's
0: okay. like, you to so, would you say this is also asking for something?
1: Yes. Yeah. yes. Some yeah, of it is, right? Some specifically, asking, asking oh. for guidance and safety. Okay. I,
0: I would say that also, especially the end, right? We, we see more praise. Yeah. So, now, I'm gonna change some things and alter some things here. If you are asking, in the petition one, if you are asking for somebody else, there's another word that goes with that. If you are asking for something for someone else and not you, you may have heard this word before, intercession. Have you ever heard of that? Well, I've heard the roots of that
1: intercession
0: No, this is quite different. Um, So, intercession um, would be if somebody goes on your behalf with a petition. So, hence the asking for something for someone else. You're asking on their behalf, you're being their representative before God. Okay, so um, now. One other thing, praise could also be, and all of these could fall into this category. There's one thing on here that you are supposed to do when you pray, or you sh- you don't have to do it every time, but it definitely should be part of your habit when you pray to God. There's one big thing missing, huh? No. Amen just means it's true.
1: Is it with thanking?
0: Yes, thankful.
1: thankful. Yes, to I'm be thankful. thankful. So for stuff
0: you could be people. thankful that God has the power to give you your daily bread. You could be thankful that he is our Father, that that's the relationship he's chosen to be to us. But you could expand it to many different things. You Thankful that um, he has forgiven us. You can be thankful that he keeps you from evil. Thankfulness can be interspersed throughout all of it. So we are going to focus tonight, the rest of our lesson, on petition and intercession. So essentially, that means asking for help for ourselves or for others. Most of the time, that's what we do when we pray, right? Do you usually find yourself praying when everything is going great, or when you're in trouble? If we're truthful, right, we say when we're in trouble, right? We're, we tend to get out of the habit of prayer when everything is awesome, right? That's usually, that is our nature as people. It is, and it's a difficult thing to keep the habit when things are going well. So I want to, let's turn to Exodus chapter 32. I'm going to give you backstory because Exodus is a long book with a lot of details. Do you know what the book of Exodus is about? Exiting. It is about exiting. Leaving Egypt, right? When they were freed from Egypt as slaves, the whole nation of Israel. And the main character is Moses, right? Because that's his job, is to help them. have freedom and to lead them out into the promised land. Now, Moses has done this by being God's conduit, his um, his spokesperson to represent him to Pharaoh and to the nation of Egypt. And he brings ten plagues on them, right? To utterly humiliate their false gods and to prove that the God of Israel is the true God. Then, he leads them out into the wilderness. They cross the Red Sea. That parts for them. They get out there. They don't have any food. God has Moses strike a rock to and bring water out of the rock. God sends them manna. Right? That's what a, that referral is. Or this is maybe you could even argue this is the predecessor that God put in place to give a picture before in planning to give you this prayer one day. That's how Jesus thinks about things, is that he has, it's all one plan. So they're getting all that stuff. You would think that they would be convinced that God, the great I Am from the burning bush, is the real God, that there are no other gods. But they are not. Do you know what they did while Moses was up on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law? A golden calf, yes. You were just at fair this week, Natalia. Do you think any of those calves were God? No, none of them were that amazing. That they could... Now, I will give them. A little bit of understanding because they just came from a land that worshipped what Everything. Oh any God. animal bug just what a river the Sun they worshiped anything but God right okay and that was the point of all the plagues was to show how foolish that was and It should have stuck in the Israelites' mind, but as soon as Moses is gone, they ask Aaron to make them a golden calf. They melt down all their gold earrings and jewelry and make this calf. And then they are dancing and partying and doing all sorts of wrong things around this golden calf. And Moses comes down out of the cloud and well, this, actually, I take that back. This is what we're going to read is before he comes down, because God tells him what's going on down there. So let's read in chapter 32, verses 7 through 14 now. Chapter 42? 32, sorry. I don't think there is a 42. there's a 42. Verses verse seven. yep 7 through 14 and the Lord said unto Moses go get thee down for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted them they have
1: already turned away I commanded them to live they have made an idol shape like a calf and they have worshiped and sacrificed to it. they were saying these are our gods, and the victory of the God and the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and that I will make thee a great nation.
0: Okay, pause. So, describe what we just talked about, that they are worshiping a golden calf, and God says that they are what kind of people? What's that mean? Like it's stubborn. a great picture.
1: they're set in their ways and they don't want to change.
0: Yes. Yeah. Stubborn, right? Yep. What What do you usually call stiff-necked? Bezo. Huh? Mule. Yeah. A lot of times it's an animal. We do use it for people, yes. But a lot of times you talk about mule. That's a good one. It could could be a donkey. Could be a goat. Could be a sheep, right? Something that is just refuses to listen to you even when it's for their own good, right? And that's what God is describing the whole nation of Israel, that they are stiff-necked, they will not listen. Were they? Give me an example. Besides the golden calf. Oh, when
1: um they they talked about it and they just kept going back and then God would have to send a new year. And then they go back.
0: Oh, judges?
1: Yeah, judges.
0: Okay, yes. That's a future thing that happens. Yes. When they get mad up, and they're like, I want to go back to eat. Yeah, we want cucumbers I again, right? That's what they say. I never bread, the cucumbers. What kind of word was it? A quail, yeah. I was going to say quail. Well, it could be. I don't know what the actual Hebrew word is, but quail might have been the closest English word yep that they can just catch with their hands too Mm -hmm. yes and they are tired of that meat they want something else and I'm not saying I would I would not be surprised if I would have the same complaint as them okay it's not to say wow look at these stupid people because people are people right you've heard someone say that before because we all have that same nature, that sin nature, that same to be ungrateful, okay? And this is what happens. And now God says that he wants to consume them. Which basically means to burn them up. Usually consume means to be like (coughs) to eaten away, which fire eats stuff up. Or he wants to, like Gideon said in general, destroy them, get rid of them. And he's going to make a new nation. And he actually says, Moses, you're going to be the head of this nation. It's going to come out of you, kind of like this one came out of Abraham. You're going to be the start for this one. This is Moses' response, which is pretty amazing. Verse 11 now. And Moses besought the
1: Lord his God and said, Lord, why does thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt, with with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out and slay them? in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth, turn from thy fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this Mm. land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever.
0: Okay. So, what does Moses say in response to God wanting to destroy them? Huh? Yeah, remember your promise. That they will be a great nation. That you're going, to, we're going to bring them to the promised land. So he's asking God to spare them, right? To save them. What type of... Because essentially, remember, prayer is talking to God. Even though Moses is actually able to speak with him and there's a cloud where he can't see God, but he's hearing God's voice. He's talking with him. What type of prayer is he? Intercession, right? He is on their behalf. Asking God to do something or not to do something, even. Um, and what's another reason? One of his other arguments for why not to destroy them. The Egyptians will um, um, think he just took another Egyptian them? Well, yeah, and will basically say, "Ha, we knew it."
1: Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> to be like. Ah, I knew that it wasn't such a great thing or I knew he wasn't that great of powerful of a God. They just let him die out in the desert. So this is a very interesting occurrence in the Bible where we have this because what does it say in verse
1: 14? God God
0: repented. What do you think about that? I
1: think it's kind of interesting that
0: God felt wrath. Oh, he feels wrath a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, isn't that kind of weird, though?
0: Um, it it does. It makes you. Sometimes it makes you unsettled, right? Because you're like, what? God's angry? That doesn't... I thought he was full of love, right? Isn't
1: that kind of weird, though? God wanted to smite out all his people. I
0: mean, well, look at what they did. I don't
1: know. But you did just say that. That's, that's like, like when... Like...
0: That's like when you... Feed a dog day after day and then the dog bites you, right? I
1: heard you were would, would make you a little mad, mad, right? And then I walked in the door and tried to kill me. Okay. They still didn't put the dog.
0: So out. is um, now. We already saw that God that um, God always knows our requests before we ask them. Back in Matthew, I think it was uh, verse seven that we read. That there's not—you don't have to say it out loud. You before you even pray it. God knows what your needs are. So that would tell that, along with other things that you already know. God already knows what the outcome is, right? It's how could he repent or change his mind if he already knows what is going to be? He already knew even before Moses asked him if he would change his mind that Moses was going to ask that, right? Say yes. Yeah. No. Okay. And now, I'm not going to tell you that I fully or even a little bit understand how that can be that it says that God repented or basically changed his mind is what you could uh, change that to.
1: maybe it's because it, like, God didn't like, physically write this. It was like, a person. And so they're just saying it from the way...
0: From their perspective right. okay that's um that is a way to look at it Yep. could it be though that the purpose of it seeming that way is to expose to us what Moses character is like mm-hmm. that God's intention was for this to show you how much Moses cared for the Israelites. Mm -hmm. To show you that he was willing, because Moses is putting himself at risk by saying to God, what are you thinking? You should, you can't do that. I mean, that's quite the thing to say to God, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Say, you shouldn't, you can't do that. But, because God could say, oh, could just kill Moses right there for just saying that to him, right? I
1: still feel weird with the fact that God has the force sin. Has what? The force sin, wrath.
0: Well, anger is not a sin. Because Jesus got angry many times.
1: I know, but it's still so hard to believe.
0: Wouldn't you want him to be angry at a sin, something that is terrible and bad for you?
1: If it was like that, don't you think he would have already burned this world to the ground?
0: Well, he did flood it once, right?
1: I know, but I mean, don't you
0: think he would have burned it? Well, he's forever? going to. He is. He is, he is holding back all the evil things that there are out there. He is holding it back and he's going to let it all loose at the end of the world. And then he's going to destroy <laughs> it and do away with everything evil. And people
1: who suffering, burning alive.
0: Well, that is a, we can't get too much into it, but that is by choice, right? Everyone has the choice to to accept God, to follow him and be saved or to reject him, right? So it's the in the end the ball is in our court to make that decision. Okay? So we see that this may have been a way to show you who Moses is, Who, what is in his heart. Reminds me of another story about Abraham. Do you remember what Abraham did with Isaac when he was a young child?
1: Oh, he, was kind
0: of he was going to sacrifice his own son to God. Is that what God intended to happen in the end? Even though he told him to go do it, yeah. no. mm-hmm. what was the purpose of asking him to do that
1: to test his his faith
0: right to show to show how much faith he had in god that he will we from the story and from what we know about the rest of the bible we believe that abraham had so much faith in god that he believed that god would have rose or brought isaac back to life if he killed him Okay. Now of course God knows the future knows what's going to happen. He knew what Abraham was going to do. So he didn't he already knew what was in Abraham's heart, how strong his faith was, but it's to show us, it's a picture for us. And then it was a picture of what God would do with his own son one day, right? So sometimes things in the Bible are there for that purpose. So we see that that's our first picture of intercession and petitioning God, asking him for something. It's a pretty good one, right? He's selfless. Uh, it says that Moses was the meekest man who ever lived. Does anyone know what meek means? I think it's been a while since we've talked about meek. What is meek? Meek. What did you say, Felicia? he said it first. Humble. Yup, that's part of it. Meekness is not... It's another rhyming thing. Weakness. Weakness, yes. Okay. Oops. Because meekness has become, within uh, our English language, to mean that some a lot of times people think oh they're a weak person that's not what it means it really means to have a power and ability but to have the humility to set that aside and to allow essentially other people to even sometimes abuse you to attack you but not to lash out or to react in a poor way. You look at, now Jesus is the only exception to Moses being meek, the meekest man, because, but Jesus was also God, right? We see an ultimate act of his meekness is when he is the lamb that goes to the slaughter, right? When they kill him on the cross, he has all the power in the world, but he does not exercise it because he has a different purpose, a higher purpose in being there, okay? He has the humility to humble himself to that level. Um, so, we're gonna look at one more uh, example here. Turn to 2 Kings. Verse four, or chapter four, verse 32. I'm gonna give you backstory on this one too. Um, this is about Elisha. Every everyone here of Elisha from before. Have you heard of Elijah? Yeah. Elijah's first, first, then Elisha. Okay. Elisha is um, a prophet, um, and he not only does he give prophecy, but he also um, performs a lot of miracles and helps people. Um, he's done all kinds of different things from healing people with leprosy to um, uh, even odd things like raising a, steel axe head causing it to float on the water when somebody lost it. Uh, he has he is even more, has even uh, what's called a double portion of God, that, more than, Elijah, than what Elijah had. Now in this, Elisha has a family, a husband and a wife that he would frequent and they would feed him when he was traveling and they ended up building a little room a little addition on their house where he could stay while he was there with them special room for him and one thing that this couple did not have is they did not have a child and they asked elijah at one point to pray for them to have a child and he did that and they were god gave them a child they gave him a son and when the son yeah, got older one day, he was... Um, well, I'm trying not to conflate this with Elijah's similar story. Um, yep, yeah, he was out in the field and he essentially fell down dead. it could have been an aneurysm in his brain. Uh, we don't know what it was, but... He was healthy and then he died and they brought him into the house, laid him in a bed, and they called for Elisha and had him come because they wanted him to do whatever he could because they knew that he had God's power, that he was a man of God. So Elisha comes and comes into the house and this is what happens. We're going to start with verse 32.
1: And he spake 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,000
0: Hold on. Are you in... Uh, 2 Kings, yep. yep, sorry, I may have said the wrong one. Chapter 4, verse 32.
1: And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them, twain in prayer unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth, and his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands, and stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed. Upon him. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro, and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes.
0: Okay, we'll stop there. So Elisha, through praying to God through um in intercessionary prayer is able to raise this child from the dead this is the first time that ever happens ever in the history of ever obviously we know that then later later Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead he raises a young girl from a dead that's in a funeral procession um, and then himself of course And then it happens with the apostles, and it's a more prevalent thing. But this is the first time. So imagine that you are a prophet, you have some books of the Bible, you have the history of your God and acting in the world, and never, ever has this happened. And there's just this... There's just this lady and her husband and the child, and they don't, they don't even have names. They're no one special. And Elisha decides whatever, I don't know what his thought process in this was. The only thing that you can think is that he did care for these people. He was good friends with them. He loved them and cared for them. And he knew that this child was a gift from God. And he really does a weird thing. Like, that's weird, right? He lays on top of this dead boy and puts his mouth to his mouth, eyes over his eyes, hands on his hands, and is praying, right? Who knows if it was out loud, if he is if it's in his mind it doesn't matter and then he goes and walks around the house and he does it again and the child wakes up sneezes seven times and is alive i don't know i'm not going to try to tell you what that means why he chose to do it in that way there's there's the there are commentaries that study students of the bible have written about it and they don't really have anything where you're like, yep, yeah, that's it. That's what it was. It's because it's just. It's the only thing I can think of is that this act of him choosing to lay on top of this boy when he prays is the only thing I can think of. Is this is just an expression of his extreme sincerity in desire for God to heal this boy that sometimes you do things that you wouldn't think that you would do because you are just you don't know what else to do you're in a hard situation a terrible moment because he for sure cared for these people and he does the something that is just amazing raises this boy from the dead through praying to God. He's not doing any kind of chance. No one came. No one did a sacrifice to God. It was just through him praying and being there in that room with the boy. So, how then, based on these stories, how do you pray for help from God? What's something that these two men share in how they pray, how they approach God? Because it doesn't really, we didn't know what Moses said to God, but it was just him talking, right? We don't know what Elijah, Elisha said, Okay, other people, they're focused on other people, right, in both instances, and what did we say? If you're focused on other people, you're not selfish. Okay. Somebody said that meekness is like this. Start with page. Humble. Humble. Okay. That's an important thing when you are approaching God when you are praying to him is to be humble, to be to have a humble attitude. And you might say, well, it doesn't say anything out there about Elisha being humble. No, it doesn't. But his attitude is not, when he does this, he's doing it. You can sense that he has great empathy for this family, that he's not thinking about this himself. He's not doing this to be the first person to raise someone from the dead. Right? Yes, well, if someone was doing that, they'd have gathered a whole crowd around and we're going to perform this amazing act, right? For And Moses he has the opportunity to be the father of God's nation, right? He doesn't care about that. He's choosing, "No, God, fulfill your promise. Show your power through what you did with the Egyptians. that you, you shouldn't do what you said you were going to do. Moses is focused on the glory of God upon what God, God's plan is. Um, so it's important to submit yourself with a servant's attitude when praying for others. And this is grounded this attitude has to do with what you think about God because you can say well yeah I'll have a servant's attitude I'll pray for others and put them before me and be all about serving other people but you also beyond that to have that attitude you have to make sure that how you think about God is correctly aligned, You that you have respect for him. And then, it's one thing to have respect for God, but is he your friend? He's not your friend? I don't
1: know.
0: Is that supposed to be? Yes. <laughs> yes. God should be your friend, right? Jesus... Is your friend? You should be. You he wants you to talk to him like you would talk to a friend, or your father. Both those things are things that he explains. There is a reason why it says, um, "Our father." Right? It's supposed to be a close relationship, something where you don't hold anything back. Moses certainly did not hold anything back, right? He said he was. He challenged God. Be careful, because I'm not telling you to go challenging everything that God is saying or telling you. But it shows how close Moses was with God. Well, hopefully it's not quite like that. Um, like, oh, we're going to go to one last place. Go to the New Testament, to James, right after Hebrews, towards the end of your Bible, before Peter. James chapter 4. This is, he was the, um, the half-brother of Jesus, okay? He grew up with Jesus. So that tells you the kind of... Uh, Intimate knowledge of Jesus that he has. Uh, verse 2 is where we're going to start. Oh, well, good. You've got it.
1: I will read it.
0: Yep. Nope, you're to go farther back in the Bible. Yep, forward. Before Peter. After Thessalonians. Which oh, maybe you're missing it. You don't even have Hebrews. Oh, you have some of Hebrews. It's after Hebrews.
1: Maybe. If I, if, no, I found it before.
0: Oh, yep. You're missing it. Well, you follow along with what you have. Okay. So I'm going to read verse 2 through 10. Ye lust and you have not. Ye kill and you desire to have. And cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss. And ye may consume it, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So, what he's saying there is you ask for things, but you don't get them. You're asking for things amiss. What do you What do you think that means, a miss? It's a word we don't really use anymore. You're
1: Asking for the wrong
0: thing. Yeah, you're asking for the wrong things. Um, you're asking, you're like, you're missing the mark. You're you're totally off in left field. You don't understand.
1: Like if it's on a hat pitch and you miss your entire
0: target, but you hit it like a tree. Like... Yes. Yep. So he's saying, you're reasons for asking, your whole, your attitude is not wrong, your motive, or your attitude is wrong, your motive is wrong for why you're asking for things. This is maybe a cliche, but have you heard people before say, God isn't a genie in a bottle, that you pray and ask for things, that he's not just there to grant your wishes? Well, I mean, it, it's a true thing, right? Right. It's not that God doesn't want to give you things that you desire, but if your purpose is just to get the newest car or the coolest toy or the even just to have the perfect life in your mind, that's not the reason for prayer or for asking God for things. He asks you instead to submit yourself to God, to change your desires, to align with him. And that's where we talked about, where were we? Um, here, in submitting, right? That Thy will be done. So when you're praying and you're asking, you're interceding for other people, when you're praying for yourself, You always have to have in your mind what is God's will in this. And what I'm asking for is right, just based off of the Bible, what I've learned in the Bible. But then even other times there will be things where you might not know what to ask for. You might not know the correct thing. You might not, even if someone were to ask you well, what should I do? Say, I don't know. You don't know. And sometimes the best thing that you can do when praying for other people is to just ask God to help them. As simple as that. Because you might not even know what they should do. Sometimes people will ask you to pray for them, and they might even ask you to pray for them to get a specific thing or for a certain something to work out in a certain way sometimes all you can do when you actually do pray is for God to help them, because they might not know what they need and you oftentimes don't know what they need but the important thing is that you have that relationship with them to know them to care about them and then To care to have that relationship with God where you can ask Him to intercede and to enact things in their life. All right. That's it for this week. And next week, we will talk more about prayer.